The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Annika, and I am, have been on staff here for the last four years. And we are continuing tonight our sermon series on childlike faith. We are going to talk about learning and wisdom. And if you have any questions at the end of the night, the answer is probably Seahawks. So um, for those of you who don't know, that was that's Colin Church. That's Ryan Church's son. Uh, and tonight, like I said, we are continuing the sermon series on childlike faith. And, but before we get into that, let me pray. Dear God, I pray that you would um, be with us tonight, Lord, that you would use the worship, use the words that I speak, use um, the witnesses. Lord, use this entire place to speak to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just um, bless us and help us to know you better and know a little bit more about what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, all of us have embarrassing moments from our childhood, and for you to get to know me a little bit better, I'm going to tell you one from a little bit older. This was when I was in college, and um, I went to the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, um, and when I was an underclassman, I was dating an older boy, and I was really excited about all of his friends. I thought they were super cool. I wanted them to think that I was super cool, so I got this invitation to a costume party, and I was like, perfect. We have a huge costume box. I can have a sweet costume, totally impress everyone, and it was going to be awesome. The only thing I didn't know was that this costume party was actually a surprise engagement party for one of their friends. So I was super excited. I had my, my jeans on, had my cowboy boots, 80s prom dress, sheepskin, vest, cowboy hat. I don't know what it was, but I was awesome. <laughs> and I go walking up to the party, and it took me, I walked up the stairs, and I looked in the door, and I saw the bride, or the bride-to-be, and a, another girl looking at her hand going, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I, But at that point, I committed. I There was no turning back now, so I was just like, all right, well, the plan has failed, and here I am. Um, but that was one of the many moments in college and in my life that I was definitely humbled. Um, kind of brought back to reality. The, the ideal that I had in my mind of how awesome the night was going to play out was brought back to reality that I'm not as cool as I think I am. But anyways, uh, tonight we're going to continue on this idea of humility. This is something that Ryan Church talked about last week. And the, the definition of humility that we're going to use is not thinking, is borrowed from Dallas Willard, a theologian. It's not thinking lowly of yourself, but thinking accurately about yourself. And what that means is knowing that you are a person with strengths and with, with weaknesses, with successes and failures. There's things that come really easy to me, and there's things that are really hard for me. And so anytime we're thinking that we are amazing, perfect, all these things, that is not humility. And on the other hand, anytime that I am just thinking that I am worthless and just this horrible person and have nothing good about me and have no gifts, that is not practicing humility either. Humility is having this accurate view of oneself. So as we look at the scripture tonight, that's going to be one of our themes through the lens of humility. So the scripture we are reading tonight, uh, the context is Jesus is talking to a group of people and they're asking him, how do they become the great, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And Jesus pulls up one of the little kids and he says, unless you, you have humility like this little child, you, you will not be entering the kingdom of heaven. He's, and then he goes on to say this. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. A little bit intense. When I was assigned this scripture, I looked it up in my Bible, and there was actually the word intense written next to it that I had made a note. Um, But when we first read this, it seems like it's these really strong words about not causing people to stumble. But also, beneath this text, there's a very compassionate and amazing view of Jesus' heart within this text. Uh, Frederick Bruner is a theologian, and he, uh, when I was reading some of his commentary, and commentary is just his smart thoughts written down about scripture, uh, he pointed out that Jesus in this text is saying, if you cause any one of these little ones to stumble, and he has this emphasis on the one, and that's pretty That seems insignificant, but that's incredibly significant. That the God of the universe would say, I care about every single one of these little ones. And that is good news for us. That that means that we are included in that that one. Each one of you is included in that one. I am included in that one. The people we totally ignore walking down the street are included in that. And that Jesus thinks that we are incredibly significant. And if you hear nothing else, you can tune out after that. But know that Jesus thinks that we are significant. Uh, This verse is something that is rarely looked at from the perspective of what it means for the children. And I want to take a moment to look at that. Embedded in this warning to not cause others to stumble, there's this this assumption that, that children need to be taught and they need to be nurtured and they need to be grown up. And this is something that is true for us. And if we want to be children of God, it means that we need to know that we don't have to have it all together. And sometimes we feel like we should have it all together. We should know all the answers. But the expectation is that if we are going to be people with childlike faith, that we are people that that seek and that learn and that are able to be taught and nurtured. And this is also a way that we can see this humility. Since we were born, we've learned a lot. I have a six-month-old niece, and I have learned a lot more than she has. I can walk, I can eat, I can talk, I can do some math. But at the same time, there's a ton that I have no idea about. I have been married for a year and a half, so I know a little bit about that. Never had kids, never been a grandma, never worked at another place. There's tons that I don't know. And I think this humility is understanding that there's a ton we've learned, but there's also a ton that we still don't know. And my, my nephew, my little niece's older brother, is three years old, almost, and he is really good at this. He, is, he has this amazing childlike curiosity. He's curious about everything. And right now he's really into smells, so we always go, what's that smell? Uh, coffee. Oh, okay. What's that smell? And he just loves to ask questions about why the tractor's not going, why are my husband's feet so big, why he just wants to know everything. But at the same time, the little two-year-old neighbor will come over and he will teach him everything he knows. No hitting, Kellen. This is how you play with the blocks. He just will share everything that he has. And I think this is a piece of that humility and that childlike faith. And this is a process that never stops. Uh, Mike Gaffney, 
was the director of the inn before Ryan Church was here. Him and his wife are in their mid to late 40s. And when they were teaching a premarital or a young married class for me and my husband and some other friends were in, they were talking about how they uh, were just about to enter the stage where they were going to be empty nesters. All their kids were going off to college. So here you have this couple, and they, they were telling us that they were seeking after these people who've already been in that stage of life and asking them advice. And I thought that was this amazing picture of this childlike faith and this humility to say, this couple that's traveled all over and has influenced thousands of people with their wisdom, but on the other hand, there's still a ton they don't know. There's still a ton that they're learning. And being able to embrace that and being able to pursue that. And college, I know that there, I was full of tons of questions. And I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know how to deal with alcohol in my sorority. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to get something out of the Bible. I didn't know what to do with relationships. There was a million questions. I didn't know how to pick a major. I didn't know if it mattered what major I had. There's a ton of questions. And I think lots of times we feel like we have to know all the answers, and we should, because we are in college. But that makes no sense. So um, I think what Jesus is inviting us to is, is to have this childlike faith, to have this curiosity, and to find people that we trust and to be able to ask those questions. And we have this need to be instructed and this need to learn. And these conversations with our community, with your core group leaders, with people on staff, with your friends can be incredibly valuable, but nothing will take the place of spending time with Jesus. I think a lot of us, we want to be like Jesus. We want to look like Jesus. We want people to notice us. We want to see the evidence of Jesus in our life, but we don't spend time with him. And I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, if I want to get tan, I'm not going to sit inside and be like, oh, please, please. You know, I'm going to go sit outside and spend time sitting in the sun. And I think this is the same thing in our faith. If we want to see the evidence of Jesus, if we want to see him in our life, if we want other people to notice that, we have to go sit and spend time with Jesus. And especially with scripture. And I know scripture is this crazy thing that we don't understand all the time, but I think it's the number one underused resource in all of our lives. It's something that, it's, it's probably the number one way that when I've read it, I've heard God speak to me or kind of guide me. And it hasn't been this Anika, but it's been something where I kind of know that he's trying to tell me something. And, but yet I, lots of times I don't do that. Psalm 118 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I think so many times we don't know which way to go and what to do. And the Bible is usually the last place we go to. And I think something happens, me and Janie were talking about this. There's something that happens between this desire that we have to read scripture or to pray and then action. And I feel like there's this moment. And I feel like that moment, deciding what we do in that moment can make all the difference in our anxiety levels, in our, uh, in our relationship with God and the relationship with others. So the Bible, it's a good thing. Read it. Uh, also, before we move on, I want to look at, make, take a second to look at the warning that Jesus gives us in the scripture. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and drown in the depths of the sea. Strong words. Uh, and I think one way that this verse can be misinterpreted 
um, is thinking that Jesus is talking about when we're sharing our faith. I know in college, I, I was on the ski team. I was in a sorority. I was in science classes, which meant that I was around a ton of people that didn't share. I don't know what that means. Anyways, I was around a ton of people that didn't share my same faith. There was a ton of people that had different views. And I was so nervous and so scared to talk about Jesus because I was afraid that I was going to cause them to stumble or lead them farther astray or all these different fears were in me that kept me from talking about something that was really important to me. And I, when I read this verse, I remember thinking that. I remember being like, oh my God, that fear. And as I read this, I'm saying, Jesus is not saying that. He's not talking about when we're sharing our faith. If we're, someone, if we're talking and we want someone to know Jesus' love or we want to communicate something that's important to us, God's going to be with us in that. And he can, if he can redeem all things, he can redeem the mumble-jumble attempt at me to articulate my faith to my friend. And he is bigger than that, and I think he wants us to take those risks and to share about something that's important in our lives. So if you are like me and have anxiety about that, rest assured that God doesn't ask you to say the perfect thing. He asks you to just pray. So if you can say, all right, God, I don't know what to say. Here I go. Be with me. Amen. Go for it. Uh, but what I think he's saying in this warning is, can be one hand kind of scary and also really encouraging. I think what he's saying, if we are people that can cause people to stumble, it means we're people with incredible influence. And we are people that can change the people around us. And sometimes we love that fact, and sometimes we, that terrifies me that I have the power to change the people around me and influence the people around me. But as I work, one of my main focuses is working in the Greek community. And I have seen tons of student leaders go into their houses and love people in a way that's different. I've seen them start small groups and love just one single person, love the five people around them, start a small group, be on exec, and love people a little bit different. And I've seen that love change people. I've seen that love change and begin to change a culture. And that is amazing. And if that is one of you, I am very proud of you, because that is not easy to do, and that's awesome. And I know that there's hundreds of students on this campus that are doing that same thing, that, are, that, have, that know that they can have an influence and an impact, and are loving people, the people around them. And I think, uh, on the other hand, we also have to just be careful of what we're doing with our influence, and be careful of the way that our actions are maybe rubbing off on others. <clears throat> I think a difference between having childlike faith and being childish, something Ryan talked about before, being childish is thinking our actions only affect ourselves, for better or for worse. And I think having childlike faith is having that humility to know that we, can, we have a lot to learn from the people around us and we have a lot to give. So taking that um, understanding that we are both people who are influential and people who are easily influenced. Um, and one image I think about this, talking about that, is kind of just holding two hands and being like, all right, we should have people that we are hanging on to and that are leading us, and we should, we should have people that we are leading. So as you think about this, be, maybe you leave tonight, and you're like, all right, who am I being influenced by? Who am I learning from? And then also, who can I be teaching? Who is learning from me? Who is watching what I'm doing? Uh, as having childlike faith is something where we need to understand our needs. 
And one of the needs we just talked about was this need to learn, this need to be instructed. Uh, but, in, but we also have lots of other needs. You want to throw those up? This is a chart or a picture of basically all the needs that I could think that we would want or have. <clears throat> and in this chart, there are, um, when we have these needs, we can bring these to Jesus or we can go to the world and try and have them fulfilled. And when we do that, if you're looking for worth and approval, you might step into a relationship that might bring you that, whether that's healthy or not. If you're looking for belonging and acceptance, you might say whatever, wear whatever, do whatever to fit in with that crowd. And lots of times when sin results, when we are trying to fill our own needs instead of bringing them to Jesus. And the sin can begin to slowly creep into our lives and begin to kind of rot our lives. Uh, and Jesus, again, has some strong words for us. So you want to throw this up there? It says, Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person from whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed and crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the internal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. All right, once again, slightly intense. Uh, but Jesus is speaking here. He's speaking in, he's using a strong metaphor to get his point across. I think, and the reason we know that is if you struggle with lust, if you take your eye and throw it away, you can still lust. But what he's saying is sometimes there's these things in our lives that we just need to completely get rid of. And that seems really dramatic. But when I was thinking about if you've ever been around or experienced an abusive relationship, watched your friend go through it, witness it, experience it yourself, or an addiction, watched someone go through it, experienced it yourself. It's something that you feel as maybe as passionate as Jesus is saying is like, I want that gone. I want that gone from that person's life because I see the harm that it's doing. And sometimes these sins and these things in our lives are super outward and very obvious to a lot of people, but sometimes they're way more secretive. And I know for me, when I was reading this scripture, and planning for this talk, I felt like the Lord was completely convicting me on how I think. And sometimes I can get into these very negative thought cycles where I can think very critical things about myself, very critical things about other people. I can dwell on things that aren't true. I can predict the future and have a lot of fear and anxiety. Future fear and anxiety people. Um, I can do all these things and dwell in all these places that aren't true and that and a lot of it can be judgmental, it can be cause jealousy, it can be critical. And that is, I felt like the Lord was like, Annika, you need to like chop those thoughts off. Like if you start going down that path, as soon as you realize it, get that out of your life. And I know that all of us in here have something. And one of my, let me use this moment to tell you about my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is um, being here for four years, there's always people that come to the inn and they're like, man, you know, it was pretty cool, but I just feel like everyone there is perfect, and they have it all together, and I just didn't feel comfortable or like I'd fit in. And I know probably half of you, <laughs> and I know the staff, and I know myself, and none of us have it together. All of us have stuff in our life that's not awesome. All of us have great things and bad things. 
And so if you're here for the first time, know that you are in good company, unless you're perfect, and therefore you're lying, and therefore <laughs> you have some sin. Cut it out. <laughs> so we are all in this together. Um, and yes, that's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> so no more excuses about how everyone's perfect. We're not. All right. When I was, there's this disease, maybe you guys have heard of it. It's gangrene. It starts as this tiny little infection. It can get into a cut or a big cut. What happens is it starts to slowly like rot away your flesh. And I know you guys like visuals, so I was going to show a visual, but it was disgusting. So if you want to be grossed out, you can Google it when you get home. Um, but basically, the only way this infection will get in your hand, in your foot, and the only way to get rid of it is to chop that part of your body off. And so that's where a lot of people have amputations, because if they don't, it'll kill themselves. Or it'll kill them. Uh, and when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, that seems crazy. But then I started to think about these thoughts that I get, these negative thoughts, and how they start to just creep in a little bit. And then pretty soon, it, taint, it covers... It totally transforms the way I see myself, transforms the way I see others, transforms the way I see God, the way I trust God, the way I act, the way I feel. And I'm like, okay, basically taking over my entire life. All right, I get it. So this is, and this is something that Jesus wants us to just get rid of this stuff. And I think why he uses this, so this was Dana from our, we have a speaking team, and she was talking about how she thinks that some of why Jesus uses this strong metaphor is to show us that, or to, to make, to show us that this is not an easy thing. Jesus isn't like, oh yeah, it's going to be totally easy, just get rid of the sin. He's like, it's going to suck. You're going to have to chop your arm off. Like, it's horrible. But he, he understands that that's going to be painful and hard and difficult. And I think there's some encouragement in that for me, because I'm like, that's not easy to just stop these things. But I think what he wants for us, what he says in John 10.10, 10, is I came to give you life and give it abundantly. He wants us to have a life that is overflowing, that is full. And sometimes I can get complacent, and I'm like, well, my life's pretty good. But, but then when I hear, like, this abundant, overflowing, full life, that is something different that I experience every day. And I think one of the cool things about Jesus is he's not like, all right, come talk to me when you get this figured out. He's someone who loves us with the gangrene, rotting arms, and he loves us when we are free of that. And he's the bridge that's going to carry us from one place to the other. But just like we talked about before with this idea of community and people teaching us, we need each other. We need each other to recognize these places in our lives. We need each other to help us chop the arm off. We need each other to help us continue walking in that path towards this abundant life. And we need mentors and people, people to show us the way. People who've overcome these addictions, or gotten out of that abusive relationship. We need people to show us, how do you do that? How did you get out of that? And how did you heal from that? Uh, there was a nurse. She was a hospice nurse, so she was with people on their deathbed. And she was revealing the top five regrets people make on their deathbed. And one of the top five regrets she had was that people wished that they had let themselves be happier. And when she went on to explain this, she said they had stayed stuck in their old patterns and old habits, and that these places had become comfortable, and they had become complacent and comfortable in this kind of 
yucky place and never made the effort, never took the energy to move out of that spot. And that's something I can relate with. Sometimes it's way easier, way more comfortable to just sit here. But it also means that we are missing this invitation to this abundant life. And I think that is the invitation that we have tonight, that Jesus has this abundant life for us. And one of the things that keeps us away from that is just some of this yuck in our life. And sometimes I'm like, gosh, I wish we could just get rid of this and just live this amazing abundant life. And maybe we can. And I think that Jesus is inviting us to be a community, to be in this together, to kind of look at our lives and say, all right, let's get this garbage out and let's keep going and live into this abundance. He wants us to know, to have this childlike faith, this humility to know that we, we have a lot of things going for us, but we also have these areas of weakness. <clears throat> he wants us to know that we are incredibly significant, that we are one of those ones that he cares about a ton. He wants us to know that we have so much influence and impact to give. We also have so much to gain. So my question and my challenge for you guys tonight is just to be thinking about, all right, what, what are those things that are keeping me from that abundant life? And how can I step into community? How can I step into a core group? How can I step into a, relation, a mentor relationship? How can I step closer to Jesus and live into this abundant life? Walk with him towards that abundant life that he promises. Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that he, that he has passion, Lord, that he wants us um, to, to experience abundance and that he, isn't, he doesn't let us just sit in complacency. Um, but Lord, that he loves us no matter where we're at. Lord, I'm thankful that, that you provided community for us here at the inn. I'm thankful for the mentors and the people that have gone before us, that have gone before me, Lord, that, will, that have guided my steps this far and those that will continue to guide me in the future. I pray, Lord, that we can be a community that comes together, one that <clears throat> has the humility to have childlike curiosity and the ones that um, have the courage to, to admit the places where we have sin and step towards healing. Jesus' name, amen.